Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is supported by Chimney Fire Coffee. Chimney Fire Coffee. Supporting ethical and eco-friendly practices. Chimney. All the way from farm to cup. Fire Coffee. They source their beans from El Salvador, Ethiopia, Peru and Brazil. Then they roast them in the sorry hills. In the nice bit between Guildford and Dorking. Jimmy! They work directly with farmers. Buy a coffee! And they share their stories. Jimmy! Their packaging is fully compostable. Buy a coffee! Listeners to Three in a Bar can get 20% off their first coffee order. Simply head to chimneyfirecoffee.com and use the code 3INNABAR at checkout. This is 3 in a Bar, a podcast where we are joined by a different musician every episode. I'm Seb Philpot. And I'm Verity Simmons. I play the trumpet. And I play the cello. Our guests could be from any part of the music world. We've spoken to pop stars, composers, orchestral musicians, singers, musical theatre performers and lots more. We chat about their careers, ambitions and get a glimpse into what makes each musician unique. Shall we sing the song? Oh, don't make me sing the song. Three, three in a bar. Hey, I tell you what, auto-tune is a wonderful thing. First round's on me. Three, two, one. There we go. Wow, that was a loud clap. It was. I really got some purchase on that, didn't I? It scared the cat. <laughs> no, of course she's back. She hasn't been interested in me all day. And the minute we're recording, there she is. It's been a few weeks since we've heard Matilda. Oh, there you are. Aww. Off you go, cat. Into a cold room. Get away from this sweltering heat. Oh, lucky cat. I know. How are you, how are you guys coping with the heat? I've is, just been hiding. You've got a, a good system going. Well, the hiding. boys have gone into school basically wearing um, Speedos and and with loads of water. And uh, I'm just hiding in a darkened space. How about you? Yeah, same. How Stella? All, all the shutters closed, battened down the hatches. Yeah. Stella's at nursery. Um, but I'm going to go and get her in a bit. Yeah, I'm sure but, they'll be... Um, it's, uh, Feeding the mice. It's right. Yeah, it's all good. Um, hey, can you believe it that we've got something? We've got something else to put out so soon. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? This is like uh, this is like twenty twenty. I know with the frequency of our episodes. Yeah, but yeah, another episode one week after the last one. I know it's incredible, and what a belter as well. Hey. Yeah. 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 Um, we uh, we've got a great interview we did the other day with Katja 
a pecky shaver. That's right. International concert pianist extraordinaire. And the reason, I mean, one obviously we want to get our podcast out as quickly as possible, but the reason we've been so quick about this is because Katia is doing a solo recital at the Wigmore Hall this Thursday, the 21st, if you're listening to it in, you know, live-ish, then, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, um, there are tickets available. There are also £5 tickets if you're under 35 Oh, shame for me. (laughs) Unfortunately, oh no, hang on. I'm 35. Oh, nothing for you. No, nothing for me. Full price only. For you younger listeners, Um, get on down there. Yeah, get down there. Go and see some live, beautiful music in a lovely place. Um, So yeah, we, we had a chat over Zoom last Thursday. We went down to Chichester. That's where Veris is working at the moment. We also interviewed someone else. Um, maybe we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, so it was a it was a double episode interview. It was a double interview day. <laughs> it was. We were so productive. And, um, it was amazing. We really were. Yeah. Uh, we got there to our dressing room, quite a warm dressing room, and realised hadn't brought my laptop. <laughs> uh, wasn't sure how we were going to do this interview. Uh, luckily I had my iPad and me and Verity sat next to each other and we shared a Bluetooth earbud each. <laughs> no, we shared two earbuds between <laughs> yeah, two. Yeah, thankfully we didn't have to stretch to one between two. That would have been testing, no. wouldn't it? <laughs> we're, we're not usually that disorganised. No. We were pretty good, but um, it was a bit of a... Because we'd done one the day before, right. weird, yeah. haven't we? It's sort of three three interviews in two days. Yeah. Um, I anyway, feel like this was a bit of a vintage and... one, really, because I'm sure everyone is missing yeah. Zoom conversations and, you know, <laughs> all that comes with that. So we're just giving people a bit of nostalgia, really. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we well, why don't you tell us what's in the chat um, and then then we'll go and you can all hear it. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> so we we chatted a lot about this upcoming concert um, and how Katia goes about planning a programme, um, about her preparation, playing to her friends. In her case, that means uh, world-class pianists. So no stress at all there, obviously. Um, what else do we talk about? We talked about the London Piano uh, Festival that she co founded with her friend and um, longtime collaborator Charles Owen uh, what else do we talk about all kinds of things oh we touched on on um, what's going on in Russia at the moment and Katya has family still there so obviously quite upsetting and well awful isn't it yeah well she's Russian born yeah and um, lives lives over in London now teaches in London um, but yeah what what's it like to be Russian at the moment mm. so it's a really awful time so yeah we we talk about that and um at one point I th- I don't think I offended her did I I, I, and <laughs> I didn't want to bring this piano. up really I, I didn't mean to <laughs> I don't think you, you offended her I don't think you offended I, her <laughs> she just sounded a little no. I mean maybe she was a bit ruffled for a second there but you got it back very quickly didn't you <laughs> okay You'll see what I mean. It'll be obvious. I, I've always sort of always wondered about it. You know, the the piano, and well, you'll find out. You'll find out. I know what you meant. You'll know the me. It's all fine. It's all yeah, fine. Obviously, I, okay, okay. Um, 
<laughs> if you've got any thoughts on that, listener, then uh, then please write in, uh, tell us what you think, um, on hello at threeinabar.com. Should we get into the chat? And oh, then I you think can, we uh, should. Let's, yeah. let's go and immerse ourselves in catch a pecky shaver. Oh, let's do that. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on, being a guest. Thank you. You've got a big gig coming up at the Wigmore Hall. That's um, Yes, that's That'd be really great to talk about that and how you've been preparing for it and what's going to be in the concert. Uh, Well, yes, it's it's a big um, engagement for me. I mean, it's the best uh, recital venue in London, really, and it always feels special. I, I love playing there. I've done a few concerts quite a few over the years and uh, um, I it feels kind of very grand but also quite cozy actually on stage that's why I like playing there you it's a beautiful stage and um, uh, somehow feels intimate um, yes yeah, so I've been preparing well I mean uh, it's been such crazy few years of course you know with pandemic and uh, for most of musicians, we couldn't play as many concerts, apart from some stream, streams and things like that. Um, and suddenly work started coming in when, you know, in the, there, there was so many concerts and, and I loved being back in action. But I, I think I took quite a lot on, possibly too much. So suddenly things before the Wigmore Hall, which was already date agreed a while ago, suddenly things kept coming in before with different programs, different repertoires. So that that is a tricky bit for of preparation for freelance musician that you have sometimes work coming not as planned, last moment, and and um, and it's tough to keep uh, practicing all these different pieces. Um, yeah, but I enjoyed very much the process of pre- preparation. I, I've created a varied program uh, based around... Yeah, mas- it's based on... Mis- oh, sorry, you were just going to yes, say okay. that exact yes. thing. <laughs> no, based okay. on mazurkas. <laughs> well, it's based sort of mazurkas and fantasies somehow because I <gasps> there are some of pieces that I really, really love and wanted to learn and play. And I, with program, you always have to think of a good combination. I think it's su- such a vital thing in a recital to make it very attractive to the audience, but also true to yourself and playing something a bit less conventional. So I think it's uh, always a challenge to create a beautiful program. I, I hope I did. I really love and feel very strong strongly about all the pieces and yes the mazurka genre has uh, been always fascinating to me with a polish folk dance but um of course mazurkas are known by chopin's music and and he really made this genre into something very special and unusual and intimate and personal and other composers later on also got fascination with it so I I find it interesting how this particular genre became popular yeah well we actually we uh just before we came on we we had to refresh our memory on mazurkas we're like right 
obviously I know what a mazurka is, but hang on a minute, do I know what a mazurka is? So could you explain? Well, I mean, probably it's better not, than I, our Google search. I, 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 I don't think there is so much sort of uh, unbelievably fascinating history of it. I think just uh, oh. <laughs> uh, it's it's a folk dance originating in, in Poland with, with quite a lot of stomping feet, I think, and sort of it's in, in three and, and it has, well, originally has a lot of accents and sort of strong beats. And um, yeah, so that's how it started. But of course, for, I don't know, I think for, for Chopin, it was means of expressing something very intimate and, and it's completely transformed. I mean, some of mazurkas are quite fast tempo, but some are very slow and um, sort of he he makes something very interesting in in this genre. But I think for him, it was also something to do with his homeland, with Poland. It was something uh, really special connection to that Polish dance, not just any dance. I mean, he, he he's written, of course, like waltzes and other things, but he liked the genre of mazurka and polonaise, which also has Polish connection. And yeah, it's quite special. So when you're listening to some Chopin, it's easy. I mean, you, you, I'm sure you know all the Chopin, but it, for for someone that's listening, is it easy to tell the difference between a waltz and a mazurka? Are there differences? Is it the accents? Um, because mazurkas can be quite like softly played. They 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 don't sound like stampy feet kind of music at times. But what what are the differences? I think yeah, I think some uh, accents are it's sort of the, the difference of it is in accents probably. I mean, but as I said, Chopin's music is very particular. It's something. Uh, it doesn't mean that you always hear consistently all these accents th- throughout the all, all the pieces. I I, I think um, possibly sometimes it's just yeah the, the ways the beats are ac- accent ac- accented slightly differently is the main thing you know that but normally in the in the waltz you you emphasize the first beat and you come off the second and third but in mazurka often the third beat is quite important mm. as well as the first song. Ah, yes. So you kind yeah. of you keep on we being reminded. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes you, keep, right. you, you, you keep on being sort of reminded of that energy and, and the, the stamping. Yes. And, and, and uh, it's a very proud kind of dance, I think. It sort of has this. And that's what I think Chopin also uh, shows so well, this kind of pride and something, yeah, in spirit, yeah. Yes. And one of the other pieces you're doing is a brand new composition uh, commissioned for this performance, isn't it? Is that, it is specifically for, well, for your concert it, next week. Uh, it, well, yes, it is uh, a piece by Elena Langer, who is my very old friend, whom I've known for many years. And um, I love her music and actually played some of her music and recorded uh, before. And she was actually very kind because, of course, you know, it, it's quite a big thing to commission somebody a piece, you know. And and I knew that she was very busy because at the moment she's writing an opera. And I sort of just mentioned she knew I, I had a Wigmer Hall and I said, you know, I know you're so busy and, you know, of course, I would love you to write something for me. And she said, oh, you really? Well, I would like to write something. So she kind of decided to, to write for me. Uh, and it's it's basically a small piece called Figaro's Dances, uh, which is based on her opera um, 
tunes from her opera Figure Gets a Divorce, which she um, was commissioned by Welsh National Opera a few years back and was a very successful production, which still uh, been put around theatres in around the world. And and um, so it's it's like a sort of medley of of the tunes for, for, from and, and and I think she's done a fantastic job. There is like you kind of it's a very short piece. It's only five minutes long, but you kind of meet all the characters in it. Yeah, the the, the it sort of finishes with a sort of fun cabaret tune, basically. It's very yeah. di- it's it's nice. very different from Chopin or some other pieces in the program. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's great fun. That opera was kind of like a sequel to The Marriage of Figaro. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's so, what was intended. Be- yeah, does because- it have a sort of musical link to Mozart? Yes, yes, it does. It does. It does. She has a little. She does have, uh, like, in the piece, a little. It's not a quote from Mozart, but it's in style of Mozart. A few bars, like, uh, because she also liked the fact I'm playing Mozart, so she could make this link with my dance element of program, but also Mozart. So, uh, yeah. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Sounds great. Yeah. And and you're playing some Mozart as well in the concert. Yes, yes, Mozart's Sonata and Fantasy. Yeah, that, so Fantasy is another element which I love in music. That of course so many written, and I love the kind of the feeling of more sort of spontaneous Im- improvised uh, emotion. I think there is something about the genre that is not conventional sonata or some you know that it sort of allows you more exploration, if you wish, more freedom. So, uh, but of course, again, each composer uh, puts their own uh, feeling, their own stamp on, you know, in their style. So, of course, I, I'm playing Mozart, Scriabin and Chopin fantasies and they're completely different. But I, I just thought, as I was saying, they're all quite dark pieces. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, 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 not, but that's a very simplistic way of describing. Of course, they have a lot of emotion, but so dramatic maybe is a better word. For it. Yeah, and you're throwing yeah. in some cabaret at the end, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah some jazz lots hands. of different. Yeah, and, and I'm also I'm, I'm really happy to play uh, Thomas Addis's Mazurka. So I forgot to mention him because he's you know probably one of the greatest living composers, and and um, I've I had the chance to work with him a few years ago on um, playing piece that he wrote for two pianos. Um, a suite for two pianos um, and and I played with my colleague Charles Owen and uh, Tom coached us and it was very exciting intense he he's a fantastic pianist himself as well but they are sort of his music is so well known to musicians as <laughs> unplayable most of it <laughs> so difficult very challenging I sometimes feel it's like some kind of cryptic crossword type that you have to spend hours and hours sort of you know finding the key to uh, his writing it's a very very unique unusual and kind of genius writing because at the end sort of when mist clears you really see the beautiful structures and such clever ideas put together yeah yeah Yeah. so have you had a lot of time to to really delve into that piece no, not a lot of time. <laughs> As I said in the beginning, no. Uh, but sometimes it's, it's part of our profession. I mean, musicians are having yeah. to learn something very fast. And, you know, you, you in ideal world, I would probably completely clear my schedule and, and sort of have at least 
two months beforehand just focusing on my program. But that was really not the case in my situation. Mm-hmm. I had various right. festivals and, and also I'm teaching in Guildhall. So that, that you know, challenge, challenging. But I... Yeah. I do my best, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's all you could do. <laughs> yeah, well. but I, I guess it's a feeling of just trying to catch up from the last couple of years, trying like financially, um, just trying to get your name out around there, and just taking on as much as you can, really. Yes, if you can, if you can do it healthily. But it's it's yeah. Also, because our musicians' profession is so competitive, and and you know, if you sort of start saying no to things, you know, and there are so many fantastic yeah. pia- pianists in particular, you know, and that sort of we all kind of really want to to be asked to do things, and uh, it, it's tough because sometimes also you have to be reasonable and say, well, actually, I can't manage to play 10 different programs in two weeks, you know, sometimes. And sometimes (laughs) it's very hard and often things clash and come at the same time. You have two really good offers that you want to take and you have to, it's actually horrible. I had this situation after pandemic, suddenly, like I was basically asked to do three things, which were all really good. Like I would love to do Mm. all all them. And, And I had to stick with just agreement from before but I was really not very happy oh it's <laughs> so frustrating I, yes yes and, yeah. and then sometimes you're given opportunity if, if somebody cancels and you ask to step in it can be a great opportunity so and and you know but such is life you know have you ever had any super last minute ones that you've had to step in for and it's been something yes. you thought <gasps> just going to take the plunge yes yes i've done a few times with concertos and yeah. things like that but yeah you kind of have wow. to i mean it's it's of course you need to know if you can actually do it you, you know but i think it's it, it is stressful at the same time there is something about the fact that you are stepping in so everybody knows that you are doing kind of a very so I don't know. Maybe in some ways the pressure. There is some element of pressure being less pressured, actually, in a way that you know you yeah. are sort of rescuing the situation, and of course you know you have to yeah, do you're it. A hero. But, yeah, you know, but it's not like you you've been practicing for years and now you have to you know <laughs> expect it to be perfect. You know? Yeah, no. <laughs> so yes. So in a program like the one that you're doing at the Wigball next week, when you're putting together something like that, do you tend to choose something in there that you you know really well as a kind of, uh, so that one one thing in the program, psychologically, you feel like that's something I've done a lot and then and then put maybe new compositions, new works around that? Or do you always just strike out and think, no, I'm going to do something completely new? Mm, yeah, it's a good question. No, I, 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 I try to do combination because I think... Again, as I say, because of the way my life is, I uh, sometimes I wish I took everything new, uh, but I have to be realistic also of not stressing myself out to such extent that you know I I, I also want to enjoy a bit <laughs> playing, you know, just not. Uh, so, but but I do try to definitely to learn new pieces because I don't want things to get stale and just keep coming back to the same repertoire and also for you know piano it has the best the most vast repertoire among all instruments so I mean it's just such a shame not to learn something new and I mean it's not you never have enough life to to play all the pieces written for piano so I mean yeah so I try to yeah to have something but this program is mainly new I have to say I have two pieces I've played before but yeah so it's a bit of a (laughs) 
uh, more risk. It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, but yeah, I also try to to arrange a few uh, uh, some playthroughs before because that's also for for me and for a lot of my colleagues. You, you need sometimes to have a less pressured concert, but to build up being on stage with this program and feeling more and more comfortable. So when you get to a big stage, you already have some you know, sort of feeling of more confidence going out there. Yeah. yeah. So do you do that in front of friends or, or some colleagues? And yes, yes, absolutely. I just, well, just played some pieces to Charles Owen, and my colleague, and, and, to, and tomorrow I'm going to play to Imogen Cooper, so who's a friend of mine. Oh, almost to me. Yeah. So she's, uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's really lovely, you know, that she has found time for me. So. That must be so great, though, to, to have some really trusted friends that you can you can talk to and play to because I imagine it must be quite a lonely life being a, a soloist yes piano yes, soloist yes absolutely yeah no it's it's fantastic I mean I uh, big part of my performing career is chamber music so I you know I love that feeling of playing with colleagues and like you say you know being uh, sort of on your own all the time can be a bit lonely I mean we, we anyway spend so much time practicing on our own so uh, it, it, it yeah it's very important to have colleagues and friends and I'm grateful and and it really helps me because also they can give you some uh, this stage of development sort of you don't you don't have lessons with anybody anymore but it's so important to to be critical of what you're doing and always developing, getting better. So it's very good to have another pair of ears, somebody you really trust, and then they can tell you some feedback and some things you don't notice maybe. And, and yeah, it's wonderful. So it's kind of, I actually get very nervous, like when I play to Imogen tomorrow. So I also, because I'm going to play some Mozart and she's like, her Mozart is fantastic. She's known for her Mozart interpretation. So yeah, but it's good oh, for me perfect. to be challenged. That's good. Yeah, yes. it's good. That's really it's good. often yes. the hardest thing to play to people you know and a small group of people you really know. Yeah. And then also when you respect yeah. them so much, I mean, that's yes, exactly, yeah. you know, so, of course. you know, yeah, 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 yeah experts yeah. in the yes. field. Yeah. But it's probably yeah. good to get some nerves out of the way. So then when you go to Wigmore Hall, you kind of think, well. That's you know, the idea. I mean, obviously, sort of... look, it's, it's I'm going to be ner- <laughs> nervous. There's no two ways about it. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it gives you and also y- your colleagues and friends normally very encouraging. So that's the both things, you know, I find it, it you can feel nervous, but also they, it makes you feel better ultimately, you know, having played yeah. to them. Yeah. You were talking about um, the Wigmore Hall being a lovely venue to play in and, and the space. And I was just wondering about the piano there, actually, because that must be a massive part of it. As orchestral players, obviously, like, I can just take my cello with me. I'm yeah. just trying to imagine how it would be if I'd turn up at a new venue every time and have to pick up a different cello. I mean, tricky. How is that? Yeah. Well, but but I think it's something that we do since we're very young. So, yeah. but, you know, it's, it's a bit like it comes with a job. So... Uh, of course, there are some challenges, like with everything. But to be completely honest, I really prefer it much more than the idea of, you know, being paranoid about your instrument and like sort of uh, traveling with it, having those stresses at the airport and things like that. You know, because a lot of my friends are just like, you know, constant sort of headache. I mean, of course, as I say, I mean it's amazing when you have a. Also, I mean, of course, it's a question a lot of people can't afford 
like really the best instruments when, I mean, string players, for instance, and it's always kind of a bit of a challenge, isn't it, to, to get the... Uh, find a way to find a fantastic instrument. And I mean, yes, for, for pianists, of course, you you know, sometimes you have to adjust. I mean, when I was younger and sort of uh, maybe I didn't play so often on like really fantastic pianos when I just started out and there was a lot of small venues with sometimes questionable pianos, you know, but 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 there is something I like about the fact that it's just, there's nothing you can do, it's there. So you, you have to focus on the music, on the sound you want to make, you know, rather than obsess. That, that, that's what I like sort of about, you know. And of course, when you get piano like in the Wigmore Hall or King's Place, where I often play, I mean, it's such a joy that you, the instrument actually helps you to, to, to find more colors, more expression, as opposed to not good instrument and you kind of struggling to just sometimes even like ignore <laughs> that yes. the sound is not very nice or it's uh, too loud, you know, so you have to adjust and, and try to make, you know, your ideas even stronger that, you know, but I, I'm quite used to it. I don't, I, I actually sometimes find choosing piano sometimes in some venues, you can choose the pianos and, and I find that uh, somehow more difficult process when, when sort of you have to, um, you know, you have good instruments and you start to really question, oh, but maybe I should, I'm not sure, but should I play that, you know? <laughs> so then you start to really, you know, again, obsessing about it. And, and um, I, I quite like that it's there, you know. And of course, there, there, there were a couple of very like famous pianists who kind of, play on their own pianos being transported I mean that I find quite well I think actually yeah Christian Zimmerman I think he plays on he yeah it get it follows him to concerts I mean it's quite an unbelievable oh, thing. wow <laughs> that's would a that commitment come, would it go, wouldn't go on a plane would it a, a piano or would it have know. to be shipped ship it yeah I guess so but I mean, yeah, yeah I'm not sure how that works. But I mean, people I did. Elton John Hor- takes I think I think Horowitz also traveled with his piano, and right, apparently yeah. it was done very like the action was done so light. He insisted because he didn't want to work too hard. So so the keys were specially sort of done that it it, it was like feathers, you know. So he didn't yeah. have to. So that might be useful. Yeah. In the end, he made it harder for himself, you know, <laughs> yes. in, in the long run, having to carry that piano around. Well, he didn't, but, um, have, to, he didn't have to actually like carry it. it. Yes. Oh, yeah, no. Foldable. <laughs> yes, it would be nice. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Talk about the, the sounds and colours you get from a piano. And um, I, I saw you, you, you learned with Irina Zaretskaya. Zaretskaya. I said that correctly. Mm-hmm. Zaretskaya. At the Royal College of Music. And that was one of the things she really taught you. Like You, you developed that the idea of, of getting those sounds and colours. You could be mistaken for thinking that a piano will sound the same played by anyone and that it's, oh, it's really the piano. But yeah, that, that's. could you talk about that? Like what, what does the pianist bring to to a static, you know, instrument? And what, well, what life every, can you bring into everything. it? Everything. I mean, it, it all depends on who is playing it. I mean, the mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's a very complex subject again. I mean, of course, there is some kind of cool and the basic you you learn how to play an instrument but um i mean the sound is it can be you can address it technically how free your hand is how strong your fingers are the, you know but it a lot of it of course comes from the ear what what you want to hear how how do you hear in the music what so in a way the more 
sort of imaginative musician you are, the you know, the the more you want, the deeper you want to go into the piece, the, you know, the more you can do with with the piano because it will respond. And especially, of course, the good piano, it really has. You can have endless possibilities of slightly different color, shade, you know, the and so so I mean pianists bring everything. I mean that's so much and of it's it, and of course it's a personality and you know somebody might be a say a more intellectual player, say they will play in certain ways, somebody be more wild and you know, sort of yeah. piano re- responds completely different. But it's with every instrument, no? I mean the sound yeah. is of course, yeah. Individual. I think piano is not no really different, isn't it? I mean the I you know, I run the piano festival in King's Place with yeah. Charles Owen have the London Piano Festival and and that's why we also like the idea of sort of bringing different pianists and to really hear how different it sounds when you go from one recital yeah. to, to another. It's so individual. Sometimes it sounds like a different instrument completely. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Because in terms of just the, the tone of it, th- there's really only it's the hammer hitting the felt hitting the string. And that's all it is, isn't it? Yes. Um, but it's and and maybe with the pedals as well and what you the colors yes. you can create from that. But it's the speed, the the length of time that the duration that, that they yes. felt is in touch with the the string. But from just that, yeah, you you, you can create so much like so many different worlds within that. It's yeah, fascinating. no, that uh, yeah, totally. And and uh, my teacher Irina, who I loved dearly, and and she yes, she was actually known for her very special sound that a lot of people say the old generation sound. She had this most warm yeah. warmth in her sound and, and it, it was always speaking and, and never heating. And, and uh, she, yeah, I, I was so happy to, you know, to study with her and especially her Chopin interpretation because she was known for her Chopin it was fantastic. So what was that older sound? How would you characterize that? Well, that, that's, I, I find that sort of the warmth, and um, sort of uh, doesn't have this kind of steely me- metallic <laughs> kind of. It can be very br- brilliant, but but I well, it, I, of course, you know, there's also question about because we we think of this sound listening to the old recordings. So sometimes mm. I kind of also wonder is also the quality of recording does something that the you know it sounds a bit different. But I think this kind of um, more intimate sort of way of playing. I think the tone more personal. I mean, it, it, the sort of the old times we're talking. It was so different in a way. I think because there were not so many recordings, we didn't have all these YouTube videos. And you know, now I sometimes like having sort of some arguments with my students in Guildhall because they always want to hear all these people play. So when they learn a piece, they listen. They just go and listen to other people, and then. When I tell them, well, why are you not doing as composer wrote? Oh, but such and such played so di- differently. So they kind of just, it's just there. And, and you know, and I sometimes feel it's this kind of laziness. They don't look for their own, you know, but it's it's like it's like choosing what you like. And, and, and then sort of, you know, and, and in old times, I think, was in some ways kind of people were daring to be more individual. There was no this kind of, you know. So it came more and sort of also, I think this 
obsession with perfection, which it is these days, you kind of have to be sort of perfect in every way. And, and you know, the recording has to be 100% perfect. And then something is missing maybe a little bit because of it, because then you have to be more controlling of your quality. You don't let go in the same way, you know, and, and sort of so... But of course, I'm talking. It's so generalizing. Of course, yeah. yeah not well, saying of course, that, like yeah. you say, yeah, with different repertoire and things as well. Because I, I mean, certainly as a string player, I look at things like Haydn and Mozart, and it's is that kind of very exact, precise precision. And then, and then there's other pieces that I'll play, like maybe some Shostakovich or or even Brahms, things like that. Which you, I don't know. I just personally feel like more of a freedom. Maybe there's a little bit more wiggle room. Do you know? It is, yeah. In, in in many ways. So I guess I'm sure that is magnified as a pianist because yes. of the precision. You know. What do you find the most freeing things to play, the things that you love to come back to? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think you can find certain freedom in Haydn and Mozart as well. Mm, yes. you know, so, so, I mean, it, it's also kind of quite relative, you know, because, and, and yeah. like, say, Brahms has classical side too. So, um I, yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I just love playing the different styles, I actually enjoy that. I, I, I don't yeah. have just like one sort of, I mean, I maybe in some ways feel strongly about, yes, romantic repertoire, but then I equally love, that's why I love adding like always like Mozart. I love, absolutely adore playing Schubert. I actually this time not playing, but I, most of the time when I do a recital, I have something by Schubert is, I feel yeah. very strong affinity with his music, but that's more, just about the, something very personal and pure and yeah. unusual, sometimes kind of cosmic world. Um, so maybe that's where the freedom lies then with the variety, actually, yeah. because you're constantly keeping things fresh and kind of yes, moving yes. around. I would, and, yes, yeah. yes, I would say so. I mean, because it, it's just, again, it, it's a balance between sort of going wild but also not losing that control and I think it applies to almost anything so it's you know and and, and actually it challenges finding freedom in all the genres all the composers isn't it because it, it should be still you know like some people when they play like Bach or Mozart they kind of feel like it's they're so worried about being not in style or something then sometimes kind of miss out on just music aspect that it should be music and and you know kind of should have some magic in it not just the sort of academic respect and for you know and and <laughs> yeah. yeah I guess it's a balance though like you say like finding spending time with the sheet music and really learning it before you hear other interpretations um that's what I finding believe. out what yeah finding out the everything that the composer wanted and then once you've done that then finding what you can do with it and how you can play with it Yes. Um, yes. I, I, I think it's good to, when you learn a new piece, unless it's some kind of contemporary piece and you just need to hear it a bit to understand the sort of the structure sometimes, to, then I, I do listen sometimes just to get the overall feel of it. But with a classical repertoire that, you know, that you can, like you say, sort of work with the score, get the initial feel for the music, what you know, and I'm not against sometimes listening to other interpretations, but I think you need to form a bit your own first that, you know, and also like when you said about you need to find out what composer wanted, it's also, 
kind of, yes, you can look at all dynamics and all that, but sometimes it really takes time and, and you keep on finding new things because actually you don't always know, even when you do, you sort of do the, you know, the dynamics and things like this, but it really, and especially I, I think with things like, I don't know, Beethoven, I mean, I don't know, I think it takes years sometimes to really understand every emotion, every unusual character you know it's i don't know i think sometimes like beethoven piano sonatas you you play all your life and you still it's full of some mysteries and you're not sure actually you know because it's so important i think to really feel that you you know what the composer wanted and sometimes i'm once myself included you have this suddenly places and you're just not quite sure you know you're doing you know what it says but uh, i in ideal world you have to be feeling very convinced by everything you're saying. So it has to kind of, it has to go through you as well. So it's it's a combination of what composer wanted, whatever, because we actually never know what composer wanted. No. <laughs> so, but, but so he, but, but making it completely your, you know, your thing. Yeah, so you feel you know. like you're being valid to yourself, you know, uh, yeah. you're doing something truthful to yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think it can, I think it only can work then. I think if you just yeah. sort of tr- you know, try if you don't emotionally feel connection with it, it doesn't I don't think it will sound good. No. 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 But some of those composers they went through some um Shit. <laughs> That's the only word I could think of. And like like everyone, but yes. but sometimes you, you're not gonna really get it until you've you've gone through some similar things or you've just lived your life a bit more and it's uh, absolutely know. right. I, I that's what I also sometimes tell to my students. I think it's you know, it, it's not just enough to sit hours at the piano. I mean, of course it's good, you know, but you, you have to sort of experience things in life and exactly i think you need to feel things deeply exactly it's it's a very complex isn't it thing and it's like emotionally like you can't teach somebody to to feel certain emotion that's completely can't be unless they know what it is or want to relate to it and you know and uh, you can try <laughs> the best sometimes. Like some students, I kind of jump around and I try <laughs> so hard, and, then, and, I, and, I, and I think we and I think we're getting somewhere. And the next lesson, nothing. <laughs> and I realize, <laughs> no, it's cruel. No, 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 it's not. It's not very often, but sometimes, you know, I just feel okay. Obviously, you just need to, somehow it has to happen, you know. And then, but seriously, and, and that, but what is good sometimes it can be like this, and then suddenly it clicks. So they kind of away from piano maybe in some we don't always know in the mysterious ways oh, oh no okay oops i wonder if she had to stop recording oh no zoom stops the conversation we saw the message come up saying you've got 10 minutes until this thing stops and we couldn't find a good window in the chat to just say hey we're gonna have to stop so instead it stopped mid-flow we haven't used Zoom in quite a long time. I was paying for Zoom for ages and not using it at all. And last month, I finally worked out how to cancel Zoom. And then we had to do this on Zoom. So it's all, it's all kind of gone wrong. But anyway, we did manage to get back online, chatting to catch you. How about we go for some adverts? You go and get yourself a cup of tea and we'll join you back here in a couple of minutes. I'm sweating so much no. that I'm actually sliding off my seat now. Um, and I can feel <laughs> beads just going down my back. It's awful. Hello. 
Sorry. Zoom. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. Sorry. Well, well re- this recording is still running, so. Oh, great. Amazing. Yes. You're Perfect. so much better than me. <laughs> yeah. Of times I've well, stopped well, wait, it. Well wait, done. wait, wait, wait. I haven't sent it yet, so. <laughs> oh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got cut off mid-flow there, but that was... Um, <laughs> Actually, I was wondering if we could talk to you about the London Piano Festival because when I assumed, stupidly, that it had been running for a very long time, but actually it's quite a recent thing really, isn't it? Last, uh, how many years? About 12? No, no. Le- so six? Le- yes, it was seven, yes. Six? Well, seven? wait, yes. Well, wait, we started 2016, so how many? Yeah, it will be the seventh festival. Wow. So, yeah, very recent. I was so surprised. But you set this up with your duo partner yes. and longtime friend, Charles Owen, didn't yeah. you? And, yes. And um, when you when you started it, what was the whole kind of... Um, did you have a kind of mission statement with how you wanted it to be? Um, well, we... Yes, we, we, Charles and I go back many years. We, we both studied with Irina Zaritska and we know each other for many years. And, and we wanted to create something together. And uh, we thought, you know, that there are so many chamber music festivals everywhere. And suddenly we thought, well, maybe we could do a piano festival because, you know, you could do so so much with piano. And, you know, um, and um, yeah, we have a long-standing partnership with King's Place. We played there for many years in various projects and uh, Mozart unwrapped, Bach unwrapped, and things like that, and 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 uh, we thought, well, it's such a beautiful venue, and it has beautiful Steinways, two beautiful Steinways. So, we 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 started conversation with them, and they liked the idea. It took a long time to to you know, we sort of had two years of talks about it, and it was at first a bit like, well, just a nice idea, but what are you? And, and of course, you know, we didn't know anything about how do you really make a festival. We just had these ideas and. We have quite a lot of friends who are fantastic pianists, so we thought, well, you know. And, uh, yeah, and then it came to life and it became, you know, it, it's actually become one of the most successful things that there's thing, very sort of rewarding. Um, well, the work paid off. I mean, it is very hard work running it and sometimes we're a bit overwhelmed because, you know, we have our performing things and... And and you have to be, you know, there are so many logistics to do with the festival and making sure all the publicity, the, you know, the program notes, the arrangements with artists and sponsorship, all these things are just like one on top of another. But what is great that we, there are two of us, so Charles and I, so we can share the, the workload because I think I wouldn't be able to do it myself, no way. It's a huge um, undertaking. <laughs> yes, and it's very hard to also to survive in London with so much going on and we wanted it to be, you know, sort of part of London life and, and you have so much competition from everywhere. So we, you know, we have fantastic team of PR team, Premier, um, who have been amazing. We couldn't have done it without them. And, and um, uh, you know, we just, we wanted it to be a serious festival, even if it's a small sort of, well, it, it started with three days, then we got to up to five days. And of course, pandemic uh, we, 
everything was different. And um, now we're still back. So, well, this year, actually, it's four days. So we're kind of getting a bit, because it was just like last year, we only had four concerts in three days. And we thought that we don't want to take too many risks. And actually, it worked really nicely. And we had very good audiences and, you know, but um, yeah. Oh, that's great. And then yet again, that's like another pivot, isn't it? Having set all of that up and done all the back work, like you were saying, it's, it's a gigantic job then to have to take it into this new setting. Yeah. It must have been a mammoth task. Yeah, yeah. We're still sort of, you know, because every year we have to do it all over again. And and, yeah. uh, and we are always a bit sort of behind and King's Place team there. Like, come on, we have to think already of the next festival. Because, of course, you know, the artists have to be booked in advance. And, of course, you sort of when we normally, when we've done the festival, we kind of feel, oh, now we can have a break. And then very quickly, King's Place in our case, have you talked to who is coming next year? And, and you realize, yeah, you have to really be straight. Yeah. on it again because it doesn't you know and and we have to make sure we get if we want to get artists especially like a really established artists that they need booking in advance and uh, yeah lots of yeah. challenges but you know we still enjoy doing it and creating something that people like and we like sort of to have this different aspects like with jazz you know we have jazz piano every year and um uh, you know, children's concerts and lectures and things like that. So, yes. Yeah. How many artists do you have this year? Oh God, I can't. Oh, I roughly, have to count. roughly. I, I think. I think <laughs> maybe. On. Yeah. No. Well, I, because I, I will actually have to count. I think it will. I think it's like seven or eight. Sorry to be so. You know, I could. Okay. No, not but, at all. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not big sort of i mean again we have to be realistic because it's very it's sometimes very expensive to get artists from abroad and you know to we are still kind of small festival you know in context of and um, sort of sponsorship this is all always a bit of a sort of sore point because and especially after the pandemic we have some generous people supporting us but we've had actually last year so some people couldn't help us I think because of the situation and and immediately pressure for us you know because we we want to make sure we pay the artists properly yeah yeah and is there just like one concert going on at, at any one time or you know can people choose what thing they go and see are there two rooms or we mainly have one at the time, but we have used um, whole two for a couple of things, smaller stuff. Uh, but if we're doing similar sort of thing, like we could get away with jazz concert and something else in another hall, possibly. But if it's two cl classical things, it would be the similar audience, so we don't want to split them. So, uh, yeah. For the moment, it's it's we normally use hall one, which also is just a nicer hall. Oh, it's just yeah, wonderful. It's yeah. yeah, I yeah. love King's Place. It's yeah. so great, isn't it? Yeah, and it's really yeah. developed. And I mean, we we're just so thrilled. You know, when we started in 2016, the area was still being developed, and now it's like really come to life. King, King's Cross, you know, and sort of Granary Square. So the atmosphere, you know, it used to be when King's Place opened a bit, like, well, where is it? You know, people wouldn't kind of go there necessarily and now because there's lots of life and sort of buzz around it then that, that I think more people 
want to come there and you know it's a night again it's a good place for the festival and they have a beautiful restaurant in, in king's place yes. on the canal and have exhibitions so you know people can actually hang out a bit there as well as just go to a concert you know it's got a lovely sort of international feel around there hasn't it yeah. i really yeah, it love does. it i love yeah. going up there yeah, yeah. I'm glad you do. Yeah, yeah it's so good. <laughs> it must be a nice place for for pianists to come and meet each other because very know, nice. And and that's also another idea was why we want to like you said Seb earlier that pianists we are all a bit lonely and live in our own sort of bubble slightly and and suddenly particularly when we have the two piano gala which we've had for all these years and this year we have Schubertia the evening the four hands music instead of two piano gala just something different but that was actually our most successful feature and and was uh, recorded by BBC three a few times and and uh, we just love the idea of having pianists who play recitals and all of us come together and really have fun and and play wonderful repertoire and and like you said meeting each other socializing and sort of feeling like we're a bit of a family piano family mm. you know yeah, yeah. And will you personally be doing quite a number of concerts during that festival this year? Well, I mean, we're always involved, of course, and we like to yes. be involved. But again, it's a balance of something, <laughs> some, you know. Uh, yes, we are doing, um, well, I'm playing in the Schubert Yard, you know, where Imogen Cooper is taking part as well, and a wonderful young pianist, Dominic De Gavino and um, Charles uh, And I'll be sharing a recital with Noriko Agawa, Japanese pianist, doing preludes of 21st century so she's doing the Debussy set and I'm playing Shostakovich so um yeah doing fair bit but you know re- reasonable I think this time your, your parents are musical as well they're musicians uh, my parents are both pianists also wow they they wow. They, they work with um opera singers so they're like repetitors and they do recitals oh, with singers yeah. so that's I've we've always had singers at home opera so, yeah. Yes, was it yes. was it Moscow you grew up? Yes, yes. My parents yeah. are still there. Yeah. They're still oh, there and they're still still working. And well. now now it's extremely hard to Yeah. Well, to to see them. It's just you know, my mom is just planning to come in August and she still hasn't booked her flights because it's so complicated to, to get here now. And um yeah, we live in like really I mean, this is not conversation about the war, but I mean I'm devastated about what's happening there. Yeah, and and my oh. par- parents being in this country with awful regime and and you know they're kind of you know, what what can you do just have to live your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that, are they just ca- they're carrying on? Are they still working? Yes, my my dad doesn't work much, but my mom still works and she loves her her, her work and it's kind of strange to imagine life goes on and theatre's still functioning and you know but to be honest I don't know what, what else can she do you know but, but I'm just yeah I'm just concerned that you know it's so much harder for also for us my sister lives in London also that for us to visit parents is become you know it used to be so easy and quick and you know now it's a very different story and generally the feel is like I don't particularly feel like going to Russia at the moment, but, you know, um, yeah. It must be a strange time to be a, a Russian and just... Very not, strange. Not Suddenly not feeling... Do you sort of feel less sort of pride in your country? And, and Well, yeah, I mean... Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, yeah, I, ha- I haven't 
felt a lot of pride <laughs> throughout the years. I have to say, not just now, but now, of course, it's just devastating. Yeah, because I, somehow we have to live with this, and it's partly on you know with the country we come from. I mean, I, I mean, personally, don't feel any responsibility because we've never voted for this government. So, but at the same time, it is our country, and of course, you know, we are affected, and and the reputation and. It's and 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 it's of course what's happening in Ukraine is absolutely horrendous. And but also I think what they've done to Russian people and to generations of growing up is unforgivable. I, I just find you know the people who grow up you know with kids and you know they can't just. Some people left Russia. I know quite a lot of people who left Russia when the war started, but not everybody can do it. So you know and and what will happen you know and how long before they can. Um, bring their, you know, sort of reputation back. Well, back, I don't know how to say, but to, to sort of be a trusted country. And, you know, I, I it's it, it's quite painful to think about it, you know. And, and why is one of the greatest countries, in a way, with greatest culture and, you know, amazing people can be still keep doing this and choosing these people and these things can happen? I, I don't know what's the answer. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's madness across the world, isn't it? Any, yeah. Everywhere you look, anywhere. So it seems, you know, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Oh, dear. Yeah. Okay. You, you, left quite, you left quite early, actually, didn't you? When you, yeah. how, you did you study in Jerusalem? Is that yes. right? Um, yes. How old were you when you went there? Yeah, I, I was just 16. So I, I lived oh, basically all my adult life. I didn't live yeah. in Russia. So I still feel yeah. funny when people say Russian pianist. But I mean, of course, it's my yeah. roots. But I, you yeah. know, I, I, I lived more here than in Russia. So, you know. International pianist. Well, yeah. just <laughs> p- p- uh, citizen of the world, yes. Citizen of the yeah, world, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, I'm, yes. I, I, I'm not very sort of, I, I'm not into patriotism very much as a person, ju- as a concept generally. Like, I mean, of course, you know, it's it, you, it's nice when you love the place where you live, yes, but all this kind of, I'm, you just happen to be born in, in some country, you know, it's not you know, this kind of shouting, I'm from this country and, you know, I don't know. Well, maybe also because for me, I come from this very strange place with where patriotism for me associated with a very bad thing. I just don't find it at all appealing on any sort of, but I feel the same, you know, even like, I don't know, when I watch football, I always like find all these fans chanting England or something, you know, I just don't, I mean, it's very unappealing for me. I just never understand this (laughs) desire to, I I never got in with the Cornish separatists myself. No, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Exactly. Did it was it um did you have a fantastic time being in Jerusalem? Was that, I mean what a huge cultural change. Well, yes and yes and no because there there's so many Russian immigrants in Israel. Oh, are they really? Oh, really? Of ah. course, yes. I mean there, there was a massive immigration sort of wave of immigration in early 90s in Israel when the borders yeah. opened between Russia and Israel and because such amount of Russian Jews, you know, who wanted to leave. So, it, and, and, you know, and because I have family there and lots of people like myself were there, I actually, it's, yes, of course, it's a completely different country. And, but in some ways, sort of, it's a funny because it was funny because you could probably just be surrounded by people same as yourself in a way, because of course, in also studying music, there was so many people from coming from Russia and, um, 
well, I loved it. I mean, it was sort of my first taste of sort of freedom and quite sort of more independence. And I loved it there. You know, I felt very, you know, it's an amazing country. It's a very complicated country as well in many ways. And sort of there were... Did when you I go did, specifically for a teacher, teacher at the conservatoire? Uh, yeah. well, well, I actually, the, my teacher was um, she, a close friend of my parents. They all studied <gasps> in Moscow Conservatoire. So... Uh, yeah, she. I knew her before, so I went to her, and uh, yeah, I I loved my time there. It was nice youth <laughs> time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What was it like? Of, did, did you could you kind of go out there and like you know you know party and stuff? Or was it that kind of like freedom of like suddenly yeah, being yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lived in like in the halls, you know, in in, in the yeah uh, in the conservatory, in the academy. Rubin Academy, you know, lived on the campus. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, it was just nice. So many impressions. The new country, you know, completely different, of course, landscape, nature, and, you know, climate. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it is an amazing country, actually. And I still, I love going to Israel, I think, just for uh, sort of, you know, if you set aside sort of political things and, you know, and, it, it has a very special feeling also because this land has so much meaning to so many people and religions and sort of there is something very intense about the sense of life there, I find, and sort of electric air, you know, it's very vibrant country. Mm. Well, and I, what I li- really like in Israel is they really, it really feels they, they value every life in, and every person. They have this kind of in their um, sort of philosophy, I think, and, and, and that's sadly which is totally doesn't happen in Russia. I think a person, mm-hmm. an individual is completely not valued. And, and uh, you know, it, it's very sad. Yeah, it is terribly sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, I was wondering about now uh, moving into your teaching these days at, at the Guildhall. Um, I'm really interested in how preparing students for the profession coming through and actually as a pianist, I, I was trying to decide whether I thought it might be similar to the approach of an orchestral player, preparing mm-hmm. the, fact, the fact that a small handful will be successful as soloists and have, um, and, and looking at this kind of, I don't know if they still use this expression, it's a bit naff, portfolio career. But mm. that was what they used to talk to us about, you know, the fact that you need to be prepared for different avenues. And, and I wonder how that, how does that affect your sort of teaching? And do you think your students, as they're coming in, they have an eye to what they're going to do as they're finishing and, I mean, how do you prepare them, really? Yeah, it's yeah, good question. I mean, the yeah, I mean, the the room for concert pianists, I mean, unbelievably small. It's it, you know, yeah. it, it, it and and anyway, to make a career and living out of just playing concerts, and it's very few people can can do it. Even among the best people, you know, and if you look, that majority of. Um, performers teach somewhere and you know and and it is I mean I'm not saying that they only do it for money but it is part of some stability and you know yeah because because with concerts as I say there is no guarantee you can have a good year and then suddenly you have very little work you know and and uh, 
uh, yeah, I try to talk to my students about it. What, what the, because I mean, again, they're different people. Sometimes I get students, I feel that they know this, they're very aware of it and open to sort of, you know, to so they're quite in touch with reality. Sometimes I get people totally not in touch with reality and they think if they, <laughs> you know, got into the final of some competition in Guildhall that they are sorted for the rest of life and, and you sort of think, well, this, you know, uh, so you kind of try to, yeah, I, I think, I do try to tell them that you have to be really in today's world very much sort of ready to do different kind of work and and um it's good to have ambitions you, of course you know yeah, and you, you know, do a lot of chamber music yourself don't you and yeah. a lot of working in yeah. partnerships with different yeah. artists and I things. love I love doing it I mean it's yeah. for me it's you know and and you know and and yeah exactly so I'm just always encourage them to to do chamber music again I, some people are more designed for that some are less you know and uh, and you also want to, I guess, to teach them to also be good teachers because, of course, they, it's a very much needed profession, and and you know, and and it should ideally help them to to you know to be better at that as well. So I do try to talk to them. I think it is very important. It is a good point because sometimes it's like you don't even think, well, what happens when you finish studying? And I think sometimes I don't know. I sometimes think also institutions could be better at addressing it to students because, you know, I, when I was a student myself I, in Royal College, I loved being there and I had fantastic teacher, but, and, and I was one of best students there. But when I fin when I graduated, I found myself quite lost, I have to say, like for a while. And I, I'm not sort of blaming that it's their responsibility, but I do think maybe some kind of, you know, preparation, maybe having some talks with students about career and maybe when people are graduating, some kind of support a little bit, I think is important because, you know, it can be pretty brutal, you know. Yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and of course also making a living is very hard and, uh, you know, Lon London is so expensive and, it's, you know, I don't even know how these days students cope if they, you know, don't have money in their family, you know. I, d I don't know how they survive. Yeah, I mean, I remember being very tough financially, and like the at the end of my studies, that transition, and I had to do a lot of different sort of work, and you know, yeah, you just have mm. to survive somehow. So, mm. but you got by in the end. You had a happy yes. ending. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it's still ongoing. It's not an ending. It's not the ending. <laughs> Seth keeps it's, writing off our guests like this. He did never say so no, exactly. Yeah, he said no, to somebody the A yeah, that it was their the final chapter or the the end of their film. So don't don't take oh, it personally. It's just uh, <laughs> no, no, it's all. Yeah, I'm not complaining. Life is fine. No. Yeah. So how's it going to look? How will the day pan out next on the twenty first? So what day of yeah. the week is it? When twenty first? Thursday. Thursday, twenty first. Um, how will you prepare in the day itself leading up um, to that concert? Well, hopefully, get up not too early. So and like my husband knows that on the day of the concert I should be left in peace. So <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I tend not to practice too much on the day because I need the energy and sort of to, to feel like I have some something to give, you know. So and also I have rehearsal at Wigmore Hall in the afternoon, so I will be playing there. So in the morning probably have a very light morning just sort of chill a bit you know and watch tv I don't know just something quite lazy and then I will 
practice in in the Wigmore for a couple of hours, have a rest, and go. Yeah, I don't like. You can't change much on the day of the concert, so you can only try and feel rested and inspired. And for that, you need some space. Just I the the thing which is very important for me on the day is kind of quiet. That I don't have to talk too much to somebody or. Nobody is kind of hustling me, you know, not answering lots of emails, that kind mm. of thing, you know. Yes. Mm. <laughs> what, what are you going to watch on TV? I have no idea. I wish there was like Wimbledon or something, but there isn't. That that could yeah. be thera- therapeutic, some kind of sports or something. Definitely not. Yeah. The World Athletics is on. World oh, Athletics Championships exactly. oh, starting yes. Saturday. There you go. Okay, well, that's right. a good tip because, yeah, because definitely not news, you know, about no, who, no, no, who, who no. will be the next prime minister. <laughs> avoid. Yes, please so, avoid that. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I think I think that would make me too. <laughs> yes. Listen, that would send me over the edge on an average day, so I wouldn't. <laughs> Exa- no, exactly. It's enough of trouble in the oh, world and excitement. Quite. There, so. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there we go. That was catch a picky shaver thanks so much for for uh, you know talking to us amongst a very busy practice schedule mm. and she was I'm so sure patient she was with us back to those pieces yeah because yeah. well, you know we obviously had a little disruption oh, in the yeah. middle <laughs> took us a little while to get started at the start so she was so Is that kind still in? did we keep that bit in a, a little bit <laughs> a little bit a hint at it not the full works <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah, so so if you are free on the 21st, this Thursday, then go to the Wigmore Hall. £5 tickets if you're under 35. If you're over 35, it's extortionate, probably. <laughs> uh, no, probably not. Still worth it, though. £6 or £100, something. Yeah, I mean, Still worth whatever it. you have to pay, it'll be worth it. be great to hear some new music and some mazurkas. Yes. You know, I feel like I've learnt a lot about the mazurka now. Yeah, I have. I have too, yes. Um, and we also we, we also should mention the London Piano Festival, which oh, yeah. Katya talked about. That's taking place on the 6th to 9th of October at King's Place. Mm. So, you know, There's links to that. that as well as to her concert this week in our show notes. So you can just click, get your tickets. Easy. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> yes. And that is the end of the bit about Katya. Um, that, although, hang on, is there more? Is there a Patreon? There's no Patreon this week because because of the quick okay. turnaround here. We've just kept everything yes. in. And also because it was really interesting and it just felt wrong to take anything out on this occasion. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm. I agree with that one. So no more Patreon. But if you'd like to join our Patreon, then um, that is always possible. There's a link in the uh, show notes. And if you join the Patreon for £3.50 a month plus fat, then what you're really, you're supporting our show. Yeah. Helping us do this. We're we're driving around the place interviewing people and making the show. It takes takes a bit of time. Also, if you're in the club, then you get extra bits of chat with most of our guests. Yeah, that's right. Off cuts that that we couldn't fit in the show. So um, it's like a little secret. It is. It feels a bit like some extra nuggets about these people. You feel like you really get to know them through it. I think the ones from George White, it was like a sub-episode really, wasn't it? Mm. It was good. Yeah, Mm. yeah. that was a brilliant episode. We got some nice feedback from that episode with George White. Yeah. Um, 
it's really we'd love getting feedback if anyone likes if anyone's thinking of getting in touch we we love it yeah <laughs> being told that, that something we've done is good so um, we did have that time, we need so constant really nice. reassurance basically we're very needy people yeah we've got very low self-esteem <laughs> yeah, come on help us come on <laughs> this episode has been sponsored by chimney fire coffee those lovely coffee people they roast beans down in the surrey hills and um, they package it up and they send it out for you and if you like coffee, and I'm sure you do, then then why not buy some of their coffee? It's really good. It's really good, yeah. And you can buy it at chimneyfirecoffee.com. And if you use the offer code three in a bar, then you get 20% off. Winner. At checkout. Have I got that right? You have. That's bang on. <laughs> I don't know why I can't retain that information week to week. It's changed ever so slightly, hasn't it? <laughs> Since the first it one. It did change, yeah. <laughs> it's always a worry. Um, Why did it change? Because it, it got it got um, hacked by by like, bots. Did it? <laughs> yes, yeah, it did. After so they, wife, they lost a fortune. Codes, <laughs> Millions of people suddenly logged on at the same time and spammed them. That's what happens. Well, maybe maybe there's just millions of people listening to this show. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just the way it goes. Um, yeah, get on there. Do that order. The other thing is we should say thanks yeah. to. The fabulous Chris Smith, not that one, um, who has helped us again with this episode with some excellent feedback. He listened to early cuts of this and he helped us with some questions. Yeah. Cheers, Chris. Thanks to Charlotte Connell from Premiere as well, who set this interview up. Um, And thanks to you, dear listener, for listening all the way to the end. Yes. Um, I was like a BAFTA, ex- it was like a BAFTA acceptance speech then, wasn't it? There were so many thank yous. <laughs> it was. It was. Oh. Um, yeah, we're not going to do any more waffling because Verity's got to go to oh, Chichester again. I do. Back in the car. How's it going down there? It's great. We've got a press night tomorrow night. Um, <gasps> yeah, it's very funny we're, because we're remote. We haven't got a clue kind of what the audience make of it, really, only from bits of feedback coming back to us. Um, and so it's really weird. So it'll be so intriguing to see see what everyone makes of it on press night, really. Yeah. Oh, we'll have a brilliant press night. Thanks. Yeah. Press night's always fun, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Oh, it's I a love party. a press night. Yeah. Apparently there's a barbecue, I gather. Mm. So that's nice. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Very civilised. Will it be? No, of course not. Should we tease our next guest? Yes. To about an hour after you spoke to Katya. Yes, yes, yes. Go on, Seb. Who yes. was it? Okay. Well, we had an hour off. We, we got our breath back. And then we went into a lovely room and we spoke to the incredible orchestrator, arranger, Doug Besterman. Oh, I know. Which was what uh, a catch. amazing. He's brilliant. He works on Broadway and Hollywood. Yeah. The f- I first came to know him because he did The Producers. He orchestrated the music for the producers. Yeah, by Mel Brooks. So, I looked down uh, his CV just before we we went to speak to him, and it is endless, isn't it? He's worked on so much yeah. stuff and with so many people. So he's got some yeah. great tales, which you will enjoy yes, hopefully so, <laughs> in a few weeks' yeah, time. In two weeks' time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, keep uh, keep your ears on the ground for that one. Mm. And uh, yeah, just have a great time. Drink some water, everybody. Oh, yes. And um, just have a great, lovely, lovely life <laughs> until the next time you hear from us. Yeah, please do. Um, we'll see you very soon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sarah. Bye. Bye.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.